We all have big dreams, but far too often we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. All right, let's go. Our guest today defines his professional life in three chapters. He has a ton of experience learning to get better at listening to his gut, and this is what he shares with clients today. He's got a blog, podcast, and coaching service all geared toward helping people get clarity over their goal and then get in the right mindset to pursue it. He provides so many tangible analogies and examples about how you can learn to take control of your own words, feelings, and beliefs. Please welcome to interview 27, Ben Yeh. It's going to mean a lot to be able to do just an awesome interview with you. The first question I like to do is giving the guest an opportunity to introduce themselves. You know, like if you were just by happenstance on a bench waiting for a bus and somebody were to sit with you and just kind of ask you what you do, how do you explain what Ben does? First of all, Justin, it's a pleasure to be here and I'm glad to be uh, doing this interview with you. That's a great way to ask it, you know, visualizing if I'm on a bench and someone asks me and it's like, what's like a two minute elevator pitch, right? Well, first of all, my name is Benjamin Ye. I am a business and transformation coach. So what does that mean? I help people that feel stuck in their life, whether they're going through a midlife crisis, whether they're going through a relationship crisis, whether they're going through a purpose crisis, you know, they, they, they feel stuck, they've hit a wall and they don't know how to get around it and they don't have the right support or framework to figure it out. And what I do is then really try to understand, well, where do they want to go in life? What's their what's their next destination? I wouldn't say final, but a next destination, right? What's what is their next step that they want to be able to elevate? And then what I really try to listen to in our conversation is the language they use. It gives me a really good indication of not only their belief system, but also their limiting beliefs. And then if I really kind of go down the rabbit hole is for me to understand, well, is your current language you're using that really gives, because language words, they have power, they have energy. And I really try to feel that. And it gives me a sense of, well, is there any place of that that just feels stuck? Or if you want to go here, but if your language you're using is here, then there's a mismatch. And you might always feel as if, why is it every time I take five steps forward, I get knocked back four steps? Why does that keep happening in my life, right? That could be one commonality, right? Another one might just be that God, I'm, I'm hitting this, this glass ceiling, whether it's in my career, or whether it's in my business, and I don't know how to break free. And it might not be because of the you know market size of my business. There's plenty of you know piece of the pie for everyone to grab, but it's just something's just kind of holding me back. I don't know what it is, right? And so... I really try to understand where the people, where my clients are coming from, but from language, from the energy, really try to help them source the root cause, right? I'm not sure if, are you familiar with like acupuncture? I'm familiar with it as a, okay. a concept and I probably, the modern version of acupuncture, you know, the acupuncture machines I would have had as a college athlete mm. throughout uh, university. Okay. So the, the concept of the acupuncture is that, you know, you might be feeling pain, for example, in your neck. Right, but that's where the symptoms are coming up, and the reason why you might be might be feeling that pain is because your chi, your energy in your body, might be congested actually in the lower left foot, completely different area of your body. Right, and the thing about 
life, business, career, purpose is, you know, those are thoughts we have in our conscious mind, but what's the overall programming we have in our subconscious? You know, I, in my podcast, I call it SOS, subconscious operating system. In our early childhood from, from year zero to seven, when we're just born, when we're babies, we're toddlers, we're just receiving and inputting as much software as we can through observation, right? And that's going to be influenced from our parents, from our culture, from our immediate society, because we're very dependent when we're that young on our parents. And so we're just downloading a lot of programs from things we observe. So a lot of times, you know, and I became much more conscious when I became a father, of what I share with my kids because, you know, my, my son, when he started walking, I mean, it's, it was like a tank and his head found every corner of the table in the, in the house, right? And and when he's about to hit himself in, in the head, I'd be like, you know, no, 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 don't do that, right? Well, I just said five no's there, right? We, hear, we, we say so many more no's and yes. And that's programming I'm, 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 I'm giving him to install. And, and by virtue of that, that's no wonder when you think about our society, why do most people have a tendency to see the world half empty than half full? And, and you just have to understand it's not them. It's not them. It's just really old, what I call SOS, right? If you look at your phone, if have you downloaded the latest, you know, operating system, you know, to run, or are you running on past versions? Because if you don't upgrade, then it's going to slow you down. The same thing with language. The same same thing with the energy. So when I say I'm a business and transformation coach, you know, when people look at my past careers, you know, my first and second chapter, they'll think business, okay, and that makes sense. And then want to talk about KPIs. KPI stands for key performance indicators, right? How do you hit the revenue goes and this and that? But it's like, look, those are just numbers. That's just, yes, that's one way to look at it. But you have to look at it and from my perspective, very holistic, what I call holistic practicality. And that's why I use the, the analogy of acupuncture. I really look at the person as a whole, really try to understand what is your belief system along with your limiting beliefs. And is that serving you to get you to get you to where you want to go? And if it's not, how do you help bridge that gap? Probably more than two minutes. <laughs> but, yeah. I think it was five, but that's all good. I'm sure they would appreciate it. And maybe the bus is late anyways. <laughs> One of the things that you mentioned was the idea of language when we're really young and, and that concept of uh, trying to keep your son from hitting his head on the coffee table and saying, no, 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 no. That really resonated with me. And I'm not sure exactly why. Maybe it's because I'm stubborn, but people always want me to do like um, parenting, coaching, teens courses or guest speaking and like just for right now that's not the content that i personally want to create but i have a pretty big background mm. in it one of those things that you just referenced the idea of saying no is a fascinating concept when it comes to adolescent psychology but it trickles all the way down to when as you're saying we're like one years old uh, and one of the exercises this is kind of a side note but i love helping people with the teachers parents whatever is you could put like a few coins in in your left pocket or um this is actually borrowed from a golf psychology concepts. In that case, you're putting T's in your pocket, whatever, it doesn't matter, little like a few things. And then give yourself only that many no's that you're allowed to use in parenting, coaching or teaching in a day. And every time you use a no, you have to transfer it over to the to the right pocket. pocket. Yeah. Ideally, you, you know, maybe you put 20 coins in your pocket when you're first trying to practice this idea of not saying no 30 times in two minutes. It's fascinating because it gives people that right away, that sort of feedback mm -hmm. that they realize, oh my God, I do say no a lot. And then when do we say no? Is it around safety? What is the threshold for which we should be really giving those those no signs 
and, and signals. And the other thing that you mentioned was how young it can start. I have an adopted daughter who had very difficult, very early years. And a lot of that programming was already there. That aside, when uh, you were young or your, your own kids, when it comes to a uh, school early on, like what do you think is really important if you were to help educators, let's say, learn some of these things that you teach? What would be some important things that we'd want to see in schools? Oh man, do we do we have we have, do we have three hours right now, or <laughs> we have as long as you need? Wow, that's that's a great question, Justin. Because you know, I'm 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 in my early forties, and one of my reasons why I created this third chapter in my career in in coaching, but not but not only that, but my Boom Vision podcast is because I just wish my thirty year old self had the language I'm sharing right now out there so that if I were to listen to this 10 years ago, over 10 years ago, my life trajectory would have been completely different, completely different because I would have been able to not only tap into my own intuition, but also be able to really figure out early on what is my life purpose and how to get on that path. What I share in my podcast is what I call the three core pillars in really activating and strengthening your mindset, right? And, and so a little kind of um, just zooming out a little bit of a, of a background in terms of mind, body, and soul. We all know that it's important to have a good balance of the mind, body, and soul. The interesting thing is that when you typically hear those three words, usually the first word association that comes up is yoga, right? And that's a great way to really not only do the physical work, breathing exercises, but also to really go in deep due to inner work to help you start balancing your mind, body, and soul. But yoga isn't the only way. And when I think about mindset, because what goes on in your mind completely, and what goes on in your inner world completely magnifies what's happening in your outer world. Okay, well then how do you really exercise and strengthen that, right? I mean, because everyone just says, always stay positive, right? And, and I'll turn that frown upside down. It's like, wait, that's not going to always work. That doesn't work for everyone. How do you how do you really strengthen your mindset? And, and if you think about strengthening your body, the physical aspect of, uh, you know, mind, body, body side of it. We know what exercises are when you go to the gym. I think you appreciate this because I think, in, you know, in your past chapters, you were a personal trainer, right? And so, you know, if you want to work on a cardio, if you want to work on a certain, you know, muscle group, you know exactly, you usually have a better sense of what to do, how to go about it, right? But what's the mental gym? What's the mental exercises? And so, so the three core pillars I share is that it's the imagination, it's your voice, and it's the intuition. It's imagination, voice, intuition. Why those three words? Imagination is what you see mentally. The voice, the inner voice is what you hear mentally. Now that's what I remember mentioning before. That might have a lot of negativity depending on how many no's versus yes you've heard as an adolescent, right? But the inner voice, the really interesting thing is that are you your own worst critic or are you your own best cheerleader? Tendency is that you're usually your own worst critic. So how do you reprogram it? How do you upgrade your SOS, right? So that's a voice. The intuition is what you feel internally. It doesn't matter which religion you practice or if you're atheist, whatever it may be. Intuition, another way of saying it is your gut feeling. Gut feeling, right? You feel it. Something's telling you. It's Your gut's telling you something. How do you access that? And so if we can start practicing and strengthening, how do you expand your imagination? How do you upgrade your SOS so that your inner voice is your best cheerleader, not your worst critic? How do you tap into intuition, start communicating to understand, hey, you know, another way I what I call an intuition, I call it soul GPS, right? If you use cars as an analogy, sometimes your intuition is giving you these really subtle signals on are you on course or are you veering off course? You need a course correct. 
right? If you don't listen to it, I mean, I can't tell you, Justin, how many times in my career, my business, where my logic, my conscious mind's telling me, oh yeah, no, this this makes sense. This you know, this plays out. And this this should be you know the right course of action. Something my gut was telling me, like, hey, maybe that's not the right call. But I didn't listen to it because logically it didn't make sense. I didn't have a scientific way of being able to pinpoint. Okay, well that doesn't make any you know that 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 makes sense for X, Y, and Z reasons. It doesn't. It's just a gut feeling. And then in hindsight, when you look back, it's like, oh my god, I should have listened to my gut feeling, right? Have you ever had? that um, recurring in in terms of career or whatever it may be? Yeah. I mean, certainly around investments. Investments. (laughs) Yeah. That that was my previous world too. You know, we had good and bad investments. And and the thing is, is that do we learn from that? Do we learn? Is our focus on only, oh, I should have made a better decision? Or should a focus be, how do I strengthen my intuition? Because that was the right call. It was trying to tell me something. It just, I just choose not to listen to it. And so if you're able to early on in your youth, really understand, you know, imagination. When I think about imagination, am I thinking out of a eight and a half by 11 piece of paper or is the world my canvas? How expansive is it? How do we get to a place where imagination is really exercised and it's more elastic and you can really think of creative solutions, right? Our inner voice, I mean, that's the one thing that really either gets us going and taking that first step or halting and saying, no way. It's usually that first inner voice, it's that inner critic. How do you make it to your, you know, to to be your best cheerleader? And then, you know, intuition, how do you do that? So if we can exercise these three, I am I am hundred percent confident your inner world would just just evolve and expand and you're in complete outer world and what you're able to take action on and manifest completely changes the game. Now, let's talk about that for a second. You referenced that if you had these words yourself when you were younger, it sounds like maybe times were tough for you in those moments. Or if you looking back, say that you would have changed things. Mm. What do you feel was that moment that did allow you to start changing things, though? Because obviously you did get unstuck yourself, right? Mm, yeah, no, that's a good one. So so let me tell you a story. So what happened to me, so I mentioned this is a third chapter of my career. So my first chapter out of um, grad school was that I was a hospitality real estate consultant. So as a consultant, you essentially live out of a suitcase, right? So there's times where I'm not sure which time zone I'm in, but I, I I was in that that role and job for about four years with two different companies. And then in the 2009 market crashed, 2008, 2009. And I remember it was the day before Christmas got laid off. I was like, Oof, that was <laughs> a bit of a, that was a bit tough, a tough pill to swallow. And, um, um, and then I had an amazing opportunity, you know, because when one door closes, usually another one opens up, right? And you just have to be able to be present to be able to see those new doors. And I had a really blessed opportunity to work as a investment officer for a family office. So what does family office mean? It's just a fancy word for an investment team that the two, you know, the founders that we worked for were, um, they were billionaires. They, they built their empire, private company in the restaurant industry, which is a phenomenal story, right? And so all the money they generated in the restaurants who used to invest on their behalf. So because I, I was from a real estate background, they wanted to buy more real estate, apartments, office buildings, retail centers, and whatnot. So I was there in that role for seven years. And just to give you sort of a idea of the, of the experience I was able to get, 
in that capacity. In the seven years I was there, we invested over at least a billion dollars. So it was a lot of money, right? And not only real estate, but because of how much wealth they accumulated and continue to accumulate, a lot of people knock on the door asking for, hey, do you want to invest in, in this startup? Do you want to invest in this fund? Do you want to invest in this um, a company, a private company, whatever it may be. So I got to see, you know, it's almost like drinking out of two fire hoses, doing a, buying a lot of real estate and also kind of grew their alternative investment platform. I got to see from different stages, from paper idea to, you know, multi-million, you know, nine-figure type of, you know, businesses, whatever it may be. And as long as there's human beings, there's always going to be human drama. And in, in investing and working with CEOs or, or management teams, I see like, huh, sometimes there's there's same reoccurring problems that people have in different growth stages. So those experience that. And so from, from accumulating this, it's like, wow, like if my intention and my career a dream job is to be an investment officer, this is it. There's absolutely no reason why I should leave. But what was really interesting is that halfway through my career in that role, I uh, met my wife, we got married, uh, we had our first child. And in maternity leave, I was I was forced to turn off my BlackBerry. <laughs> so they didn't let me check my email because I was technically on maternity leave. And I remember a couple of weeks after my son was born, I was laying in bed next to my wife. I was staring at the ceiling, lights were all out, and I had this vision. And the vision I had, and then at the time I was, you know, still living in an apartment with my wife, but I had this vision of of this house. Two kids are running in the front yard. My wife and I were in there. The picture I'm seeing, the movie I'm seeing play out seemed to be very happy. What I just did not understand was as I'm watching this vision, the level of happiness inside me was just not there. It felt empty. I was like, wait a minute. This is supposed to be something I'm thinking that's supposed to be a very happy moment. Why do I not feel the same level of happiness in the inside? There was a fairly large gap and I didn't understand why that is. And when I really sat with it, I was like, okay, maybe the path I'm on was designed by others. It's not the path that my soul wanted to be on. And if I continue on this path, sure, the externalities might feel like it's it's in a life of success. But if I'm not going to feel happy inside, then then what is it all for? Right. And it was it was a really, really confusing time for me. Cause it's like I've hit, I hit this wall and I don't know how to get around it. And when I really think about it and I was like, what what is it that I want? Well as an investment officer, you're basically measured by one number, which is IRR, right? And what does, what does IRR mean, right? It's internal rate of return. You're as good as how much return you're yielding in terms of the investments you're deploying and how much money you're able to return back, right? And the thing is, is that I was learning, I was growing, and I was good at the job, and I was still, you know, there's so much more to learn, but, but I wanted my life to be more meaningful than just a number. And when I realized that, it took me at least another two, three years before I decided to take that leap of faith. Because I was like, you know, if this was the career I wanted to have for decades, like there's, like I said, there's no reason for me to leave. But I knew my heart, my soul was yearning for something different. And I took that leap of faith. It's like, it's like jumping out of an airplane without even having a parachute on. I'll, I'll try to figure out how to make one on the way down. Right? And, and, and I realized at that point, I told myself, you know, I, I, had, I had one child at the time that was very young. You, you're always going to have that fear to take that leap of faith. But I try to envision myself five years down the road, 10 years down the road, when my child is in elementary school, when they're older, when they have a bunch of friends, and it's like, there's more I'm going to feel that's going to be higher opportunity cost for me to make a move than, than it is now. I just got to do it. I got to do it. I got to take a leap of faith. And it's funny because... because 
So there's two words there, leap of faith. What I've learned in my journey to where I am now in this third chapter is that in a lot of the times in our minds, we see it as a leap of faith. And when we see it as a leap of faith, when you use that language, it's such a big gap. And it's like, God, there's so much more things we, you know, to be prepared to be able to take that leap of faith. But if you really just think of it in a different perspective, if you really give yourself the moment to zoom out, take yourself out of your own shoes and see things in a different angle, well, there might be a chance where that leap of faith might might be seen as a jump of faith instead. All right, well, if it's a jump, it doesn't seem to be that scary, right? And then if you actually, with the right influence, with the right voices and and, and advisors around, like, well, then maybe it's not even a jump of faith. Maybe it's just a step of faith. And if it's a step of faith, I got to believe that your odds have increased and you're willing to take that extra step, that first step. And it goes back to what I mean by it's just a mindset. I figured you were going to say skip, hop, and then step of faith and work all of our way <laughs> right. backwards through the details. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. The reason I asked was because you, you mentioned intuition and imagination and, and voice. And I think one of the things that people struggle with is, well, I'd love to do that and I hear what you're saying, but I don't feel like I have intuition. And so that's a fascinating topic for me. It came to you in that moment looking at the ceiling and the vision and being able to mm. make that pivot. When somebody listens to this episode and feels like, I want to do that. I know there's things in there, but I, but I don't know how to have those visions or how to figure out what that jump, pop, skip, or step of faith is. Like, Are there exercises that you give people, prompts you mentioned, or 100%. what would you do to, to kind of push that person to develop intuition, I guess? 100%. Okay. So, so let me give you, let me give you some examples because I, I love using analogies because I'm more visual. That's how I expand my imagination, right? So I use the car analogy quite often. And I mentioned before that intuition, another way that I label it is soul GPS. So that's going to relate to the car analogy. So the thing about car, the thing about, especially if I think of, you know, my 15 year old self, 20 year old self, potentially going to college, going to get out of college, trying to find out for a job, trying to earn, you know, trying to, we're like a sponge. We just want to learn and build skill set, right? Well, right now in this society we have where it's about like, you know, it's about hustle, hustle, grind, grind, right? I mean, we use that word quite often. And the thing is, is like, wait, I, I remember in my early 20s, it was a lot of it as hustling, grinding, and just like keeping your head down, just doing your work, do good work and be recognized for it, et cetera, et cetera. But are you going in the right direction? And with this mindset of, well, I always want a faster car, right? How do I upgrade my Camry to a Ferrari, right? I want that faster car. And the thing is, it's like, wait, it's never about the car. It's never about the car. It's always about the driver. If you have 10,000 pound limiting belief in your trunk, well, guess what? You can upgrade the car, but that baggage comes with you too, right? By virtue, if you let go of what's really holding you down, your limiting beliefs, that in of itself will already make you go faster. So are, do you have the right driver instincts? Now, if you think of your body is your vehicle, your car, and your mind is a driver of your vehicle, how does the imagination, voice, and intuition relate in the car analogy? So what I share is that imagining if you're driving, let's say, it was either snowing or, or, or rainy and like your, your, your entire windshield is just fogged. So your visibility is very poor. You've got the music blasting out loud, whatever genre you, you like, but it's just really loud. And because of how loud it is, you're not going to be able to hear really clearly if someone on the outside is trying to honk at you or trying to give you a signal. And then let's say you've got a lot of clutter in, in, in the bottom of the seat and you've got your gas pedal a little, you know, somewhat a bit jammed. So you can't really feel how fast fast and be able to control how fast you're going. That 
image to me is almost like it's very scary because it's almost like a recipe for disaster. You're you're bound to get into an accident. And so how do you have clarity in where you're seeing? How do you have the inside be quiet so that if there's any signals, you can pick it up, right? How do you be able to feel things so that you actually have a good sense of how hard or soft you're pushing the gas pedal? And that's where, you know, it goes back to what you see, what you hear, what you feel. So what I go through, uh, and I do this in a lot of my episodes, is the CAL method. I call it C-A-L method. So what is the CAL method? What does that stand for? C stands for calming, right? There's there's a story I share on my, uh, I think either first or second episode, I went to undergrad in the Bay Area. I um, was near Fishman's Wharf, and in there, there used to be this arcade. And in an arcade, they had a lot of machines on the inside, but there had some machines on the outside on, on, along the pier. And one of the machines was this contraption where it's like this half cylinder plexiglass thing, which is like a, it's almost like a wind tunnel. So basically you go in, you turn it on, right? Or you put in the coins and then a bunch of like these flyers, these small pieces of papers kind of fly around, right? And you're, you're like, you know, in 40 miles per hour wind, and you're trying to catch as many as you can so you can redeem them for prizes. And I, rem- I remember this, this uh, game very vividly because if you think about our minds, a lot of thoughts are always racing through our heads, right? I mean, we both have kids. Morning is like, oh my God, it's a morning rush. Okay. You know, syrup and eat breakfast, you know, it's gotta go, put on the clothes, please finish your, you know, that, blah, blah, blah. We're always in a rush. We always have a lot of thoughts going through our mind. And it's like a wind tunnel. You have always things going on. So how do you how do you turn it off? How do you quiet your wind tunnel? That's the first thing. So C is just calming. Whatever way it is for you that's effective. Now, what are some known ways for calming your wind tunnel? It could be meditation. It could just be simple breathing exercises. It could just be listening to really calm music. It could just be sitting still. It could even be running, taking a jog, exercising. If you're doing something in repetition where you're not focusing and activating your conscious mind, but you're really just trying to calm and get in sort of a meditative state, whatever way works for you. Because like, for example, for me, when I think of meditation, I might be able to do it for a couple of minutes, but if you're telling me to sit still cross-legged for 30 minutes, I, I'm going to fall asleep. <laughs> so that way it just doesn't work for me. But breathing exercises, even a simple, just giving yourself a minute, you'll do wonders because you're turning off the wind tunnel. Your thoughts are just going to slowly f- float down to the ground. And then you're going to have those moments of clarity where like, oh my God, that was what I was looking for. Or yeah, that's a question I want, I meant to ask. So the first step is C, calming. Second step is A, awareness. What does awareness mean? In that calm state, bring awareness to yourself. What are thoughts that are running through your mind? What is something that you're really, are you agitated? Are you mad about something that happened? Have you suppressed an emotion that you've always just been trying to avoid? Like, why do you feel that way, right? The thing about emotions, our emotions are, you know, there's this movie in um, by Pixar called Inside Out. I don't know if you've seen that movie or not. Yeah, I, I don't want to distract from the rest of the analogy, but quickly I'm going to mention something yeah. because as you were bringing up calm, I was thinking about Inside Out, so I can't even believe that you just referenced it. <laughs> I guess I, I should. That's how good of a movie it is in terms of the script and, oh, and, wow. and what they were embedding in the learning of that movie. What yeah. I was thinking, though, when you brought up the C of calm was, again, my daughter and how these strategies develop naturally in early years. Mm. In her case, in some ways, it's a bit sad because of how exaggeratingly she has had to develop it. But I was just telling my dad, her grandpa, this today that is incredible how long she can do puzzles for. And I'm talking like she got a new puzzle on Christmas and the next day she did it from she's eight and she did a puzzle from 9 a.m. And at 4 p.m. I had to tell her to take a break, told her to take a break multiple times throughout the day. But it wasn't really until 4 p.m. I could kind of break through and be like, let's go like snap out of it. But she's done that since the day I met her at 
you know, year and a half doing the little ones. And then at two, she got really good at puzzles and she's really skilled at uh, puzzles. And that's because she didn't have the higher order thinking to know that that's what she was ever doing. But she would go get a puzzle and just embed herself in that and block out the entire world. And it seems to be the only thing that could kind of bring her heart rate down and calm her. And what we did to build on that was we watched Inside Out when she was, you know, three, four or five, probably every Friday. So that at the end of each school day, proactively, because we knew she's going to have a tough time heading off to school and all these different life stressors, given the place that she was starting from, like like a little bit behind. And with that came being proactive by showing her inside out and then teaching her how to speak to those different things that she's feeling every day, not just saying, how do you feel today? Because every kid's, if they don't want to have a conversation, they're going to say, I'm joy today. And then just let's move on. But instead, we make her name a time that she felt fear, a time she felt sadness, felt anger, a time she felt joy, and a time she felt disgust during the day. And of course, disgust, she always says, when so-and-so farted or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. Anyways, uh, I want to stick to the the A that you were sharing. But yeah, so Inside Out. It's, it's a great movie. It's one of my all-time favorites as well, probably on my top 10, 15 list. But the, the reason why I bring that movie up is that emotions are just like little child. It's like your inner child's, right? Each of the emotions. When you're feeling it, rather than suppressing it, if you just talk to it, it might, it might, that sounds odd, but if you just talk to your inner child of, why do you feel sad? Why do you feel angry? Hey, I'm here. I'm supporting you. I got your back. I just, I just want to understand. Because the thing is, is you know, when you think about a kid, if they're angry, they're having a fit, and, and they want to express themselves. If you slam the door and just put them in a room, well, guess what? They're going to pound the door and be even louder, right? So suppressing your emotions, it might feel it's a defense mechanism, or you know, it might be helpful from a protecting yourself perspective in the short midterm run. But in the long run, then what tends to happen is people will usually say. I can't trust if that's my intuition telling me something or my inner voice. Well, have you let your emotions be able to just feel through things? Because otherwise, kind of like, you know, when I went back to analogy on acupuncture, it's usually you feeling pain in somewhere. And one of the things is like, well, let's, let's, let's release the pressure on where the symptoms showing up. But the root cause is always going to be somewhere in the body. Where's the blockage there that you just need to let it through? Albert Einstein said a really, really good quote, which is that energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change from one form to another. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only change from one form to another. Emotional energy works the same way. And I go through this in my intuition episode where I, I use a term where we all in, in our body have this thing called an internal alternator. Okay, what does that mean? I'm not a car guy, so I had to look this up, but an alternator in a car, what that does is it converts the mechanical energy into electric energy. So a classic example, back in the days, we didn't have electric cars when I was younger, but you know, if, if you're if you're if I'm, I'm driving my parents' car and and um, accidentally turn on left the lights on overnight and it's really hard to turn on the ignition, right? What my parents typically will tell me is like, well, just drive around a block a couple of times and then come back and I'll charge up the battery. I didn't know why, but it's just a thing you're supposed to do. And it turns out it's because it's the alternator. The alternator is a very important piece of machinery in a car because when the car is in motion, it turns mechanical energy into electric energy and it basically recharges your battery. And that's what powers everything in the car. Our internal alternator is the same way with our emotions and feelings. Are you letting emotions flow? Because if you don't, you hold on to it, you suppress it. Guess what? That will manifest itself later on 
life, whether it's physical ailments, illnesses, or whether you're suppressing for emotions, you're not going to be able, you know, like there's so many hosts of things. So are we able to have the awareness, what's going on in my mind? What's what's on top of my mind? And really have that conversation in a calm state. So there's C, there's A, and then there's L. What does L stand for? Language. And that's what I mean by when I'm coaching people, it's got to really listen to the language people use. That gives me an idea because the words we use have a lot of energy, more energy than people really know. And so how are we talking, describing what's going through in our minds? How are we describing our reality we feel we're in? I'll give an example. You know, I I appreciate you sharing about your daughter loves puzzles because it reminds me of my son. My son loves Legos. I don't know what it was, but he just loves building things and he can build for hours, right? And he, he's at this point now where I start snapping this picture of like, hey dad, look what I built. And and it's not, he doesn't even have an instruction manual. So he'll, he'll, he'll get a set, he'll, he'll go through what the instructions say, but then he'll just build things on his own. And I was just like, and, and it just, wow. And, 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 and but it, that's when he's in flow. And so one of the things is when he creates something, we, we, we live in a society where it's like, okay, how do you solve problems, right? Let's be a good problem solver. And when I was on this third chapter in this journey of being this coach, I was like, language has power. I I told my wife and and my kids, hey, in this household, we're not going to use the word problem solver. Why is that? I said, I I want us to start using the word, we're solution creators. We're not problem solvers, we're solution creators. It's a nuance, but why why do I take the time to really correct that language? Because when I think about my career in my second chapter, right, in the investment officer, or even the third chapter as an entrepreneur, it just feels like every day I'm just putting out fires. It's always like a fire drill every day, (laughs) right? Yeah, I follow what you mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Right, there's always fires and we're putting out. And I, I noticed that one of my employees was saying like, yeah, I'm just putting out fires left and right. And it's like, wait, what I've learned is that if you're really good at putting out fires, that's basically signaling to your universe and God saying, well, you can handle more. So I'm going to throw more fire at you. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarm. And I'm just like, I, I, I don't want any more fires, <laughs> right? So what does this say about firefighters? I, <laughs> God bless them. That's all I can say. Right? I, can't, I, I would not be, be able to do that, that, that role. So same thing with problems. It's like, if I'm a problem solver, well, guess what? I'm going to attract bigger problems. Well, what if I were to say I'm a solution creator? For me, the energy behind problem solver versus solution creator is that solution creator just has more light, feels lighter. It doesn't feel heavy on my shoulders. Problem solver for me does. Different language is going to feel different for everyone, but I'm just giving an example of the power of language, but in the context of what, how do you go about describing what's going on in your mind? What, you know, what, what's bothering you, right? So with my, you know, with our family, we, we, we're saying we did something well, they created something new. That's a great solution, way to be a good you know, solution creator, right? Because I want to be in creation mode because that activates the imagination. You know what I mean? Yeah, I love it. I'm happy that you provided that example because I was about to ask, while I understand language, it could be a broad topic for people listening in and wondering if you had kind of those quick examples of instead of this, then this, instead of this, then that. So that's a great example. Are there other ones that come to mind off the top of your head or is it something that you really have to dig with each person to be able to give examples? Each person is different, but I'll give a little example about language, right? So since we're on that topic. So I believe it was my ninth episode. I talked about how to, how to become a wave maker when you influence 
and you and you make a positive impact, it's like dropping you know stone in, 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 in a lake and it causes ripples. Ripples over time become waves. How do you become wave makers, right? I go through this analogy of are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Based on your SOS, your subconscious operating system, based on the inner voice you might have and the mindset you might have, we tend to be thermometers. What is thermometer? A thermometer measures the temperature around it. We're always in reaction mode. When people wake up, it's the first thing you do is just look at your phone and start, you know, try to respond all the inbounds of the of your inbox. Are you are you reactive? Are you responding the temperature around you? That's what a thermometer does. What does a thermostat do? If I want it to be a nice room temperature and it, and it's dropping too cold, guess what? I'm going to turn it up and it's going to be at the temperature I want it to be. Unless you're in my house because mine's broken and it sucks. But yeah, I follow. <laughs> right, right. Or it's too hot. You want it to cold, cool down, etc. Right. You influence the environment around you. When you really think about that, it's like, huh, what mindset do I have? Do I have a thermometer mindset or do I have a thermostat mindset? And usually the way to transition from a thermometer to a thermostat is you got to believe. You got to have the right mindset for it. And you got to have the right language and what you're saying to yourself in terms of what you're doing to take action. That all accumulates. That snowballs. Yeah. And so that's another example of language. It's the language we use really dictate our reality. If I keep saying I can't do it, I'm not a speaker. I'm not going to be good. Do you know it took me nine months to finally release my first episode of my podcast? Because when I first recorded the episode, I was like, this is how my voice sounds? Oh my God, I sound like crap. Like who the hell is going to listen to me? I didn't know that it took you nine months. I have to be as blunt though to say that I'm not surprised because first of all, a couple other podcast host guests have also told me that exact same thing. Jacob Kelly, who has a very successful podcast, said the same thing. I think he said that it took him more than a year, uh, interestingly enough. And like, I think that's a common thing. Along that line, people who listen to the show, follow the, the episodes or look up to influencers or people who have personal brands online, look at us or anybody bigger or smaller in terms of following. Doesn't really matter. But look at people who are content creators with a certain jealousy is not the right word, mm. but a certain belief that those people are better than them, mm. have a stronger skill set than them or something like that, right? And they struggle to get started. I get that all the time from clients I've had in the past, people that I just help for free or friends like, oh, I want to start a podcast. Oh, I want to do this. And they can't take that step of faith for that exact, those exact reasons. Yeah. So I love that you shared that because one of the questions that I really wanted to ask was in this journey to entrepreneurship and content creation, you know, what are some of those struggles and challenges that you've faced and maybe that's one of them there's there's definitely others the 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 one we're talking about right now is that is that inner voice and and it's like i i gotta be able to practice that inner mental gym of what i'm preaching right and that inner voice and and that's what it really reaffirms why it's so critical for me to really get the word out how do we start reprogramming our sos because for in my case you know i i had this intention of of this idea of this podcast over a year ago and I remember buying um, the Power Up podcast, so Pat Flynn's, uh, you know, course, and I sat on it for like three months and didn't do anything with it because I first record my voice. I was like, this is how I sound like? No, <laughs> turn off, right? And then I was, and, and it got towards the summer. It's like, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm already invested in the class. I made a commitment. I got to make it happen because my why was what helped me, pulled me towards this direction. And so 
So then I recorded the first episode. It took me six months to record the first episode. And then my second episode was about the inner voice. And, and, and what was really interesting is it took me six months to go through the mental blocks and record my first episode. What is Boom Vision? What's the premise of it? It took me a weekend, a weekend to record two and three back to back. I was like, oh my God, I finally in a roll. Okay, I got over that mental hump, right? And once I got over that mental hump, then my next topic was the fourth episode was on intuition. Man, that's a heavy, t- I mean, again, language, right? It doesn't have to be heavy. In my mind, I felt it was a heavy topic. I want to do it justice because mm-hmm. it's, it's, there's so, you hear all about intuition coaches and manifestation coaches and all these things. And, and, and everyone has their voice and vibration that really works with the audience they're serving. So it's not a knock on them. It's just that because this is fairly new for me, but I knew when I reflect back, yeah, I wish I started exercising. What's that intuition dumbbell I need to lift and start exercising that muscle, right? And so I did more research on like, you know, um, Dr. Bruce Limpton and Joe Desperanza and, you know, I was sort of really going deep into research on this topic, but it's like, okay, I understand their perspective. How do I, how do I articulate it in a way that I can understand? Because when I look at my three-year-old self, I was 100% logic-based. I was very 100% left brain and it had to make sense. It had to have scientific reasoning. You know, I do, it can do cost-benefit analysis all day, right? I was just very logic-based and I, and I really went through the spiritual journey of, wait, there's more to life than that. Like it'll get me far, but will it, will it really get me to a destination that, that I'm yearning to go for. And I knew it wasn't, right? That's the journey I went through. Do you know what it was that pushed you to actually do it? Because that's a fascinating thing. And that's come up almost every episode too, that everybody, and right to episode one, if people were to go listen with Buster Shear, he talks about that too. And I said, well, what do you think allowed you, and, and I ask you the same question, to end up going from, I'm scared to create, or I have some kind of fear getting in the way, to then getting over that hump, as you put it. For me, the simple answer to help me get over that hump is that I had to get very crystal clear on my why. Because when I was really crystal clear on my why, I was being pulled to it. I wasn't pushing myself to it. It's a different force. Yes, I had this limiting belief that my voice is just not good enough. I had to get over it because of my why. You know, my, my wife, she was very, very good in pointing out to me because, you know, she's also a nutritionist. She's also a yoga instructor. And, and one of the things that um, in her class that uh, the person mentioned was that when you're nervous, focus on service. I'm going to get nervous, but what am I doing this for? I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it because I want to make an impact. I'm doing it because I want to be able to make change, positive change in people. It's for them. It's not for me. Who cares if I don't sound weird, right? As long as the message is delivered in a way that they understand and resonates, that's literally all that matters. And when I really, when I was able to really shift that focus back on like, okay, this is my why I'm being pulled to it that helped me break through those limiting walls. Yeah, for me, unfortunately, I have a, a background with some sadness, certainly involved maybe at levels other more than other people at times, and also grew up uh, living in a funeral home and in that industry my whole life. So very easy front of mind perspective. One of the little hacks that I like to share with people when they really struggle, a lot of times it's YouTube, right? Or it's live streaming, or it could be podcasting, but it's the same kind of barriers to like, I feel shy about blank, or I don't want to do. So one of the little hacks I'll, I'll give them is to 
pick somebody in your life that you really care about. And let's say that you were to, <laughs> sounds dark, but sometimes dark is helpful. Let's say you, you passed tonight. If you were able to have left them something tomorrow, who is that person? And so for me, as a content creator, I remember like, oh, I don't want to make a YouTube video. <laughs> you can go look at the early ones. It's hilarious. But one of those switches for me for sure was being like, okay, it's me and this camera and I'm talking to my daughters because heaven forbid something happens. Who do I want or who do I expect to be going back and learning from this content? Mm. And it's them. It may be my students and you can build out from that circle of the other potential target audience. Yeah. But to speak to one person in that moment is one of those hacks for me. No, that's a good one. It's either that one person. But but to me, what I heard too is that you got crystal clear on your why and you're being pulled to it. You're being of service. And that's the framing you, you have to get you to see through the lens and be able to actually take that step. And and and, and, and it's beautiful because like, you know, the other the second thing I was just gonna mention is that I probably would have released a different version, but a release a podcast like two and a half years ago rather than last year. What happened for me, and I'm hoping your audience can learn something from this, is that you know, I had a tendency of having squirrel syndrome. Oh, shiny object, right? Squirrel. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the movie yet. up, but right. It, 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 there's, there's, I, I, I was distracted by the next shiny object. You know, this time I've already left my last corporate job of being an investment officer and I was an entrepreneur and I was looking at different ideas, you know, built different teams. Okay. That didn't work. How do you pivot? One of the things, you know, my wife was, you know, she's a really big influence in my life. And she was sharing like, Hey, Ben, in the last 10 years, you're always lit up when you're able to coach someone. And she knew that about me because, you know, when we invested in companies or I'm working with startups and I'm, you know, have internet hours, you know, talking them through, it's like when I'm able to coach them through and not just a problem, but what's the mindset behind that, I could talk for hours and say, hey, you really should think about it, whether it's blogging or whatever it is. And so I was going to go down this path. And I was thinking that my initial 1.0 version was sort of being like this, you know, because my know-how was back in the investment world. Okay, how do I bridge the gap between a Warren Buffett, who's like, you know, one of our all-time best investors, you know, in, in, in our generation, and like someone like Tony Robbins, who we've taken some classes before, right? How do I get somewhere in the middle where it's a lot about, you know, mindset philosophy as well as investing? So I was initially going down that route. And I remember writing like 10 different blog posts, getting a website, going through WordPress, all that stuff. And then the day before before I was going to launch it, got a phone call from an old friend saying, hey, I'm an advisor to the startup, this real estate startup, because past life was in real estate. I think you'd be a good fit. Do you want to meet with the co-founder? Because it's coming from a friend, sure, why not, right? So I grabbed lunch with a guy. We hit it off. Hey, I want you to be a CEO of this startup. Like, I think you'd be a great fit. You have the right experience. And I got sucked into that shiny object syndrome, right? Rather than putting publish, I put that on hold, went down this rabbit hole of being a CEO of a real estate startup. And through the year, I learned a lot. After a year, I realized, okay, this is not bringing me joy. And when I realized in reflection, I was doing it for the wrong reasons wanted to do it, wanted to become a CEO of that, you know, all, all this other stuff. But this is what maybe society culturally values as high value, but has not high value in my heart. And so if I think about, well, why did I leave my job in the first place? It didn't resonate in my heart. Why am I doing this reappearing pattern again? Why am I following this this uh, repeat program. That's not, that's not working. So had a conversation with my co-founders, gave up that position. And then coming in full circle, you know, I, my wife was like, hey, you really should think about maybe even, you know, whether YouTube or podcast. And so that's when I decided to okay, looking at, you know, we've been following Pat Flynn for a couple of years now and more actively so in the last year. But for me, it was like, okay, I have to really know my why. And my why was that, hey, you know what? I don't think if I look back on my old 
you know, I went back to my old website. That really doesn't feel like the energy of what I have right now. It's a little bit different. And when I think about what kind of coaching I really want to to be able to impact, it's, you know, that's what I came up like. It's really more of a holistic practicality. I'm very practical, but I also have holistic. It's really just somewhere in between. And, and if I can be able to share that different perspective, people are going to be able to figure it out themselves, right? I'm not giving them the answer. I'm just helping them coach through you have the answers within you. Before when I first heard that, I was like, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> right? But it's because you haven't done the inner work. You have to be able to understand what lights your soul on fire. What's that? What is it that makes you really happy? That's usually an indicator. How do you start listening to it? How do you start exercising that intuition? And once you start doing that, your path and the questions you start asking yourself just becomes very different rather than why that happened to me. Why did it happen to me now? What is it that I'm supposed to learn? If you ask different questions, it'll lead to different answers. And that completely changes your reality. I love that belief that through framing of our questions is how we get the best answers. And then all of a sudden, you may not even need to name the answers anymore. So focus on the questions. I've, I've always been a, a huge fan of that. I, and I can see how tough it can be as a coach. I, I've supported a lot of people. And it is very hard because people want the playbook. They want the cheat codes. They want the pragmatic. And I think the tough thing about that as a business owner, an entrepreneur, and a coach yourself is that there is a lot of snake oil out there in the system, especially online around coaching. And so so people don't know how or who they can trust and trust obviously needs to be built anyways, but they're looking for something practical or pragmatic. I, I think this is kind of a fun point quickly to uh, talk about a segment in the show that I like to do where I'll, I'll turn a little piece into like a blog post or a medium article. And one of those things that I feel like people would love to know about is a little bit of that, like how to start a business, yeah. both mindset, but also the, the practical as well, because I'm sure as people are listening to this, realizing, you know, your wife telling you to do that, pursue your passion, start that business, you doing the, the shiny object and then coming back to it. If, you know, someone says that they've been doing that with their first job fresh out of college, but they're like, no, I, I too want to go start a business. What's the next step? If you come up with it with a business idea, how do you actually get started? Sure, sure. So it does depend on what kind of business they want to create, right? But what I would say is, you know, we live in a world right now where information is on, it was, it's within arm's reach. Back then, we didn't even have smartphones. We, you know, we had these things called pagers, right? Where there's like, there's pager codes. That's how we communicate. That's an old school Twitter, right? It wasn't even YouTube when I, you know, when I was in middle school and whatnot. And so because information is so easy to receive and to research, there's a lot of information out there. If you have a business idea, chances are, it's already been created. Yeah. You probably have a different angle at it, but it's already been created. So what's worked? What's doesn't? You can do research on that. You can look and listen to, you know, let me, let me take a step back. I What I share with people and with my clients is that think of me as real, you're in a school almost of farming. I'm not a farmer, but I'm, I'm just using it as an analogy, right? Everyone wants the fruit now. They want the fruit today. They want it yesterday. And so they're looking for shortcuts because they want to be able to, to, you know, reap the benefits. But really, if you think about it, it just boils down to three things. It's the soil that you're in. Are you watering yourself every day? And where are you getting your son? If you just focus on those three areas, the fruit will come. It's just a matter of time. It's guaranteed to come. 
but you have to be really conscious of what I mean by soil. What are you rooted in? What's your surrounding environment? Who are your influences? Are they building you up or are they pulling you down? Who we are in our environment with our network, our friends or our inner circle, whatever it is, that influences a lot of voices that go into our mind and our inner voice, right? So what's the soil we're in? What do you mean by watering yourself every day? Are you learning? That's why I love about your name. Just keep learning. Are you are you consciously every day making the conscious effort of consistency? Are you watering your mind? Are you actually nurturing it with the right nutrients? Whether it's reading a page in a book, whether it's listening to a podcast episode, whether it's watching a YouTube video for sake of consuming good information for you to learn and grow. If you're doing that consistently every day, then you're then you're you're being consistent habits. That's what that's what you're doing to water yourself. And then the sun, where you're getting the sunbeams, what lights you up? What makes your soul feel alive? You need those three things because when you do those three things on a very consistent basis, right? And that's what I mean by being in a school of farming, the fruit's gonna come. The revenue is going to come that when it is and you're going to have that clarity right so i want to just say that as a context as a framework before we dive into the business because i mean you know, it's that, that's the thing what i'm really have this sort of love-hate relationship with this culture of hustle Yes, it's good to have grit, to have the discipline. But when you're so immersed in this hustle grind mindset, it's like the visualization I see is like you're in this hamster wheel and you're running harder and harder and harder. It's like, wait, are you even going in the right direction? Because if it isn't, I'd rather take one step in the right direction than run 10 miles in the opposite wrong direction. Partly because I'm just old now. (laughs) The energy in running a marathon, but unless I want to. But yeah, like, and that's the thing. It's like, wait, do do we zoom? out? Do we take a look at what is it that we want to do? Now, depending on where you are in your career, right? If you're just getting out of school, you're trying to build skill and you know, a skill set. Hey, where can I learn? Not just only on the subject matter or the skills that we want, but do you have the right mentor to really nurture you? That is so, you're going to learn more about that mentorship than it is about the building up the, the, the skill set. Because through that, you'll learn what habits have that person incorporated in their lives that has worked for them to be able to nurture where they are at that point in their career. So, you know, in terms of back to your question on, okay, well, if you have an idea for business, how do you go about it? You know, Pat Flynn with Smart Passive Income, he has such a deep bench network of different solopreneurs, entrepreneurs of different facets. You know, you can look, it's within a touch of your hand. Do you want to build an online business? Do you want to go into e-commerce? Do you want to go into blogging? Do you want to be a content creator? There's so much out there, a know-how. Listen to them, see if you resonate with the voice, see if you resonate with their style and vibe and learn from, you know, does that resonate with you? Are they just pushing a product to you or do they really want you to gain value before they actually ask a proposition of what you want to buy? You can sense that now, right? More so now than than probably arguably that you were before. So do the research to understand, but also have the awareness. Do the Cal method. And what what makes my heart feel alive? Lean in a little bit on that and find mentors or podcasts or YouTube channels that have a similar vibe and learn and see what you know what they say. Because through that, you'll get to learn the trial and error so that you don't have to necessarily go through yourself. But part of it is taking action. You can read a hundred books on doing a push-up. You could read another hundred. You could read a thousand books on doing a push-up. None of that matters until you do the first push-up. You don't want to get into that analysis paralysis page of this only doing research research and not taking that. So it's a balance 
Find someone that you resonate with. Are you nurturing yourself, whether you're listening to podcasts or YouTube channels? And then just take that first step. You're going to learn along the way. You get clarity through movement. You have to move. Start off with that. And then and then you pivot as you go. But you know, in terms of actual tactics of doing a business, draw up a, a business plan. Hey, does this idea make sense? Ask people, hey, what do you think of this idea? Be really careful about that, who you ask for feedback. You don't want to necessarily ask feedback of, of an entrepreneurship idea to people that work in corporate that has never been an entrepreneur, right? It's a different mindset. With a group, you know, there's so many different Facebook groups or whatever it is, you know, a lot of mastermind groups, whatever it is. It's like, hey, just get a general feedback of what it is. And one validation, because, you know, there's a thing about MVP, right? Minimum viable product. If I want to sell this product X, okay, how do I create a minimal viable product where this is something that will be passable, where it's ready to sell? And then just ask, hey, would you buy this? How much would you buy it for? Start getting some feedback on and survey of like, all right, well, if I can deliver this and here's all your pain points and I can find that solution, would you pay 50 bucks for it, 100 bucks for it? And they say yes, and we're willing to pre-order. Hey, that's validation where there's really a market need for what you want to sell. That's if you want to go on the product side. But there's so many different types of businesses out there, right? There's, there's content creation, there's even blogging from advertising. So it really just depends on what piques your interest. There's just so much information to go about it where you can do that if you just take that step and doing some research to understand what's out there and what resonates. Hey, does that resonate with me? But you never know until you take that first step. And I think that really does help a lot. The reason why I like to make sure that we frame something in a practical, pragmatic way is I have a lot of empathy for listening to podcasts where, you know, you're listening through and you're 42 minutes in and you're like, okay, you know, I want to go do something from this. And so something like that can kind of be like that flip of a switch sort of like bullet point thing. I do fully understand that the most important work is what we talked about for the first 55 minutes of this episode, which is all revolving around the mental gym and mindset and SOS and Cal method, as you mentioned, and the car analogy and all those that if people truthfully, truly do take them to heart and practice them, all of a sudden they won't need to worry about the how, right? But it's it's hard to tell people when they're at that first stage, not believing that they can do it to go do that. I find giving them something like what you just said, you know, look, listen to Pat Flynn's podcast or find a YouTube channel of somebody who is in a similar world to what you think you want to be in. And that's why my handle uh, that I use across socials is just try. There's about 10 other reasons, but one of them is because I learned that the hard way uh, you referenced uh, not wanting to uh, have analysis paralysis. And I uh, went to a coffee shop to meet up with a friend a few years back and I'll never forget it. I walked in and he said, oh, you know, what book have you read recently? Because people always love to ask me for book summaries, right? Because I can read books really fast. And I used to post those to Instagram. And I said, oh, I said, I had to make myself a rule where I'm not allowed to read right now until I create something. And just shifting that consumption to creation is very hard. But I think that's just such an important lesson for people. Before we get into kind of the wrap up theme questions, it's clear to me that we'll have to run this back and do another episode in the future because this has just been so great. But before we do, I have kind of a weird question. And that is, uh, we talked about voice. And I hope Cody Warner listens to this episode. He's a YouTuber, if you're not familiar, who's awesome. And everyone should watch his videos. But we got into a little Twitter, I don't know, back and forth. And it's been an inside joke for the last couple of months. Apparently, not everyone has an internal voice. Are you aware of this? That's a good one. I don't... Um... I believe we do because, you know, there's times where I'm sitting in a lecture or, I mean, I mean here, here's a vivid example. If I'm sitting in a lecture or I'm in a seminar and a person speaking up there says something where I don't agree with, I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I didn't say it out loud. I said it in my head, that's a voice. 
Yeah, I agree. It's just, like I said, a silly question and a fun one because I'll have to pass you the Twitter thread someday because it's just been hilarious because pe- multiple people, when we posted the poll, said that they don't have one. And then Cody's like, well, what What happens in your head then? And then, and then it got somewhat serious because yeah. someone was saying, well, he doesn't know what it would be like to hear himself think. It was just like a fascinating conversation. I haven't gone down any legitimate research or heard from any doctors or anybody who has, uh, I guess, an, somewhat of an answer or thoughts on mm. it. I wonder when I see stuff like that, maybe we all have one. But as you referenced earlier, are you able to pay attention and hear it maybe is, is part of that? It is. That is interesting. Huh. You got me on the stump there. <laughs> there is there is one thing, though, that, um, that I sort of want to bring back that you mentioned before, which is, you know, for those that are wanting to start a new business and they might have the inner voice saying that, you know, well, you don't know how, what are you doing, right? Or you might have, you know, a half empty type of perspective in life. I want to say this because this is this is a quote by Jim Quick, which is also has his own podcast and he's, he's really good about brain power and memorization. But he says something in, in his podcast that resonated with me, which is that don't fight for your limitations. Don't fight for it. If you believe that I can't, what are you doing? You can't do that. You're basically fighting for your limitations because if you fight for your limitations, guess what? You get to keep them. And it resonates with me because it deals with inner voice. If you really believe you can't, you're right. If you believe you can, you're also right too. That's that's. A, I think this is a Tom Ford one where like, you know, whether you believe you can or cannot, either way, you're right. Similar concept. And the thing is, you, you just got to believe in yourself. If you're not in a soil, an environment that allows you to give you that nurturing, find one that does. Yeah, that's often one of my first tips when people struggle with these things is I'll say, to me, one of those practical things is find someone, anyone, teacher, uncle, friggin' could be a internet celebrity that you don't even actually talk to. So it's more of a hero as opposed to direct mentor, but just find someone to lean into who supports what you're you're chasing after. I think that's a huge practical first step because it's going to be tough and, and you need someone. And, I, and I'll always say DM me anytime if you can, if you just can't find anyone, I guess I or, or Ben are, 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 your, are your guy for that. No, I appreciate you recapping that because one thing I do before I ask the themed questions, I, I always say, is there kind of anything that you feel we left out or went down? Down a different thread that you would like to mention before we do the theme questions and wrap. You know, not not on the top of my mind. I almost feel like we might need to do like a follow up session. <laughs> There's just so much that we can go into. But like I said before, my intention here is really to share what I feel the audience can benefit in hearing to help them change the paradigm. Whatever they feel there's a leap of faith really is just a step of faith for everyone's in different stages of their life. You know, hopefully some of the things that we went over today gives you a different perspective to start asking yourself different questions. 100%. I'm sure I'll get the messages from people being so appreciative that this is what led to them starting that business or, you know, finally going back to the gym that they'd been putting off or many different things. I think it was very inspiring and uh, will be certainly helpful to a lot of people. So what I do is I always like a lot of podcasts, you know, a little bit cliche, I suppose, but I just love it because it gives the exact same few questions to every guest and it'll be cool to hear them back someday. The first one that I like to ask is one piece of advice that you would pass on to the next generation if you could only pick one and given that you have children it, it may be even easier to, to put that kind of in context like if if we could only leave that one piece what would it be so there's a saying we have in our house which is embrace who you are and embody who you want to become embrace who you are and embody who you want to become what i mean by that is you are who you are 
you're going to have some light and darkness in you, whatever it is. You're going to know where your strengths are. You know where your weaknesses are. Just be authentic and real on that's who I am. But it doesn't mean that defines you. It doesn't give you an excuse to not change. You can just embrace who you are, but then embody who you want to become. Who do you want to become? What does that feel like? If you can, if you didn't have a blank slate, how do you envision this 2.0 version of Ben, 2.0 version of Justin? What does that look like for that person? And just find either mentors or what we were saying about how do you embody that? Because you can always have that change. And that, that goes back to the language stuff too, right? 100%. Because you'll often hear people say, I want to be an artist or I'm going to be an artist. And it's like, you already posted 20 paintings. You are an artist. Yeah. And embodying that long-term goal, I just think is so powerful. So since you just went on that rabbit hole, sorry, I just have to say this. Okay. So, so I say this on, on one of my other episodes. I forgot which one now. Basically the words, I am. Why is I am so powerful? I am. I-A-M, what I share is that what it stands for for me, I stands for intention, A stands for action, M stands for manifest. If I have the intention, if I take the action, then I'm magnifying that and it's going to manifest. So when you declare out loud, I am an artist, and when you say it, if it activates a feeling in your body within you, and you say it enough where something starts turning in you, then you really act. But the, the, the mere action of saying out loud is the action. If you have the intention where, no, I might not feel I'm an artist right now, but I am. You got to live into it, right? It, it goes into a little bit of affirmations. That's really going to help, especially for folks that are just starting something new. That first step is always hard to get that momentum. We keep having these little connections and things. And in one of my many bits, business failures, depending on how you frame it, back to language again, one of my <laughs> greatest business learns was uh, launching a, a, a membership and I called it Momentum. And uh, the reason for that was because I've done a lot of research on personal development. And one of the, if I boiled things down to one word, oftentimes that, that could really unlock things for the majority of people who are stuck, I find that Momentum is one of those biggest things because it just doesn't, it matters. That little fall forward each day and that little piece of action, you just keep that up and live in the moment, everything's going to work out. Um, something you yourself are learning, maybe off topic, like guitar or something. I don't know. What am I learning right now? So, um, you know, it's funny. So, uh, you know, this is right. Yeah. But for people listening, they won't. <laughs> no, they won't. Yeah. So I'm holding up a Rubik's cube and one of my good friends, we're going off topic here, but, uh, my, uh, so one of my many hobbies, one of them is actually magic. That's cool. And he, this is my other friend that's also a fellow magician. And, um, but he also, uh, he's a STEM, he's in STEM. So, you know, he's a teacher and, and he's really big on the STEM movement. But one of his hobbies is also teaching people how to solve the Rubik's Cube. I had him give me a session on how to, how to teach it. And because I've always been one of those things where it's like, you know, for you to grow, you have to be outside your comfort zone. It's always an area that's right outside your comfort zone, right? And I've never been able to solve this before on my own. There's a, tons of videos on YouTube or whatever it may be to find it. But I just felt in my mind it was impossible. And but then he was like, no, it's really not that hard. You know the techniques. You just need a framework. And so after a session, he gave me this cheat sheet. And once I tried memorizing a thing, it's like, oh my God, I can solve it now. And it's such an accomplishment because then it's like, okay, now how do I memorize and get good at it? How do I get faster? But that's how you build a momentum. It's that, again, it's going back to just, it's just a step of faith. It's not a leap of faith. And so when you're constantly doing things that's right outside the border of your comfort zone, that's a way to start being more expansive. You know what I mean? And so for me, it's to, to master this. Right now, I'm still, you know, I would say 
I'm intermediate, novice intermediate, but I'm able to solve it, but am I able to do it on a consistent basis? And so I leave this, I have this on my desk because then if I'm a Zoom call, I'm a conference call, whatever it is, it's a lot of it's just muscle memory and just being able to just identify. I see this, okay, it's just these moves and that's how you unlock it. Love it. Rubik's Cube. That's a cool one. Many connections to the youth that I work with in, in jails like trying them, but they mm-hmm. they often struggle, uh, you know, and like somebody to coach them and different things, but they really do like doing that to pass the time is something with, that's kind of mindfulness as well. But somebody who's coming on the podcast is uh, someone who does those uh, paintings with Rubik's Cubes. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen that, but he can do like a thousand of them in like an hour and then he'll make a painting. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So he, he does those. He had an installment in New York City. Yeah. But he's from from Italy and uh, he's going to be a future guest on the show. So Rubik's Cube has been in, the, been in my mind recently as well. I can't do them yet, but someday. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the next one is uh, a question that you would ask me and I'll frame it in the sense that potentially this being answered could help my audience or listeners of the show. That's a good one. All right. So what question can I ask you? I would say, so Justin, what was one thing that either you saw, heard, or felt in your life that helped nudge you over the tipping point in a path you knew you were meant to be on? I'll say, I'll ask the question again. What is something, because that's the thing about inspiration. It doesn't have to necessarily be through only one channel. It could be something you saw quickly as a, you know, a split second on the street. It could be something you heard or something you read, right? It comes from everywhere. And it, and it takes a and it just takes the ability to just be present. And so I'm curious for you, Justin, because we we've made throughout life it's all about making decisions, decisions and taking action. What part in your life, whether it's something you saw, something you heard, or something you felt, was a tipping point, an inflection point for you, where it led you to a path that you felt in your heart? Hey, no, I'm certain this is a path I want to be on. Yeah, I I got the question right as soon as you asked it, and the long awkward pause was less from misunderstanding the question and more from wondering how do I take something that mm. could be a three hundred page book and turn it into a less than three hundred second answer? Which with deep questions, mm. I mean that's that's where you're going to head, right? This could be an hour long thing, but it's not going to be. It'll be short <laughs> for now. But what do I pick? I guess the main thing for me is as a teenager myself, I really struggled with uh, severe anxiety to the point of like having to go to the hospital and. And uh, panic attacks, and really never for one thing, having a lot of empathy for people who struggle with mental illness because there wasn't like a fix, right? Be it medication or therapy or whatever, there wasn't a binary moment that I ever experienced where I was like, okay, now I'm better. It was like a very gradual progression towards having them happen less is the best way that I can describe it. But one of the biggest things that I've noticed as I've grown up, and and this is why I was having trouble picking things, because having lost two of my brothers in the last year and a half, there's all these different stories running through my mind about perspective and things like that, that that I learned. But a common theme throughout, instead of going through all the examples or chapters, is to say that when people have meaning, it's Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning, right? That whole concept that when you 
you are living in that, and you mentioned Mihai Chicks and Mihai too with flow, when you're living in a state of flow, when you're living with meaning and purpose, those were the times that I, I don't know how you could feel panic or worry in those moments. And I'm saying that at risk of it being a slight towards people with severe clinical anxiety, depression that's completely unmanageable and uncontrollable. Yet, having been in hospitals and seen these youth, I still think that there's always something in that moment that they could be doing where they wouldn't feel as much panic or stress, anxiety or worry. So that is my why is to figure out how do we help more youth and adults alike, the side hustles and whatever, how do we help people pursue those things more often? So in your 168 hours a week, how are we getting you to doing as many of them as possible and something that brings you meaning and joy because it's going to help you with vitality and mental health? Yeah, like it, it's well said. I, you know, it, the, the, the word that really caught my attention is inflow. That's really it. Because when you're in flow, what does flow mean? Inflow could be in your flow of your genius. It could be in flow of your creativity. It could be in flow of what lights your soul on fire, right? Whatever it is, when you're in flow, and you're, it's almost like it's almost like a meditative state. And and in that moment, because you have that calmness already, and you have that awareness, because you're very focused. You're in flow. That's like the best time to ask yourself to question, what is it I want? Where am I guiding to? What direction I want? Because you're already, your wind tunnel's already turned off. You're like in your zone. But yeah, no, I I, I can definitely appreciate, yeah, if, if everyone has different body chemistries, whatever, whatever it may be, but if we can teach as a tool to help people get in flow, and it's going to be different. It's not the same answer for everyone, right? It's going to be different for everyone. But just the process of how to get there, I have to believe it's going to serve people in a, in a, in a positive way. I think so. Like I said, we're going to have to, and as you said, we're going to have to run back this episode and maybe we'll dig deep on that and, and we'll leave that hanging right now because I could go on about it forever. Yeah. And I really think that is true that it's different for everyone. Like here's one of the other challenges quickly is that people have multiple things that provide that to them. An example for me is if I'm making a, a film or I'm painting or exercising, there's at least three things that could be careers, could be side hustles, could be whatever, could be things that I could spend more of my 168 hours doing. And in any of those three, time just flies by. I don't even notice. And I just love it. It's so intrinsic. Yeah. How do we help people do more of that instead of, you know, I hate to knock the nine to five thing because that's too simple to me, but how do we help more people? And sadly, addiction and mental illness runs very parallel with creativity and things like painting, filmmaking, and music and all these fields, right? Interestingly enough, those are the hardest fields, or they seem like the hardest fields for youth and adults to monetize. It's not as straightforward as other business models. And I think to go back to the question, how how do we figure out how to make those paths easier for people? And once we do, it'll help a lot. I'll say this because, you know, how how my intuition is telling me is I'm getting that tingling feeling I'm feeling right now. So through my body is that I think what you hit on is that when you're in flow, sometimes people feel, wait, how do I get what I feel the most joy and flow? How do I make that my full-time job? How do I monetize on that? Ideally, yes, if you can make that as a career and you make good, you know, a good living out of it, that'd be fantastic. But it doesn't have to always be that case. Because when you're in flow, that's your zone of genius where when you ask questions, the clarity of the answers come out can come a lot faster. And so when, you know, there's times where I'm, I'm, I'm like, I love it when I'm in a zone because when you're in that zone of genius, time just goes away, right? You could just be in there. It's like, oh my God, just five hours just went by. It felt like it was like just 50 minutes. But in that time when you're just immersed in it, then when I, when I think about a certain question that 
it's like, oh my God, the solution is this. It's, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't connect the dots until that time, that moment. It's because then you were asking that question. It's whether it's a hobby, whether it's your full-time job, whether it's your you know business, whatever it is, you don't have to necessarily pigeonhole it as it needs to be all or nothing, right? But it's just know where whatever it is that you brings you joy, that's it gets you in that flow, that's in that zone. Lean in on those moments because that's your almost meditative state to be able to then ask the right questions because then you'll get the answers out of it then. Yeah, I love it. Right? That's a, a great purpose for it. Absolutely. That's like poetry for me is another one yeah. of those that, that can definitely work. In wrapping, I guess I'll say, first of all, this will be the longest episode to date from what I can remember, I think. And that's exciting. And I want to just say thank you for spending the, the time with us. Where and why would people go to find you online? Yeah, I there's several ways you can find me, you know, my website www.benjaminye.com that's spelled b-e-n-j-a-m-i-n-y-e-h.com i also have my podcast boom vision you mind if i tell you a quick story how i came up with that name of course of course i don't mind (laughs) because i'm very intentional with the language right and so i was like okay i really want this name to be meaningful and so i think about well what's the premise of my show my show is about how to have a healthier mind body and soul but the mind it relates to the three core pillars which i mentioned which just imagination, voice, and intuition. So if I do a little bit of a wordsmithing, and if I take five words, if I take imagination, voice, and intuition, and then body and soul, if I take those five words, take the first two letters of those five words, and I scrabble it. Interesting enough, you get either vision boom or you get boom vision. The reason why I was doing this exercise is because one of my favorite movies of all time is a movie called Sneakers. It had Robert Redford, Dan Aykroyd, Sidney Poitier, River Phoenix. It had a great cast. So there's a scene in the movie where they're playing Scrabble with the words. And so that movie had a lot of impact on in my life. And so that's why, okay, well, these five words are really meaningful for me because that's what the show premise is about. Mind, body, and soul, but how do you strengthen the mind? imagination, voice, and intuition. So if you take that, it's vision boom or boom vision. And I remember I was in my office, it was in like an afternoon on a weekend. I was like, huh, is it vision boom or is it boom vision? And right when I asked that question out loud, a bird flew right in my window. It just went bam. And I was like, what just happened? I, I took a picture of my window because like no one's gonna believe me unless I take a picture of this. Had the feather still stuck onto the window. And that was like, okay, this is your universe telling me this is boom vision. Anyways, just wanted to share that because that's it's that's where I was like, okay, that was like probably month number four of the nine months before I released, right? When I had that that, that incident happen. I mentioned by my website, boom vision, love for you. You know, if, if what I share today subscribes, you want to learn more about the frameworks that I describe about the imagination, voice, intuition, I, I go through all that, but it's really about just activating the mind. How do you strengthen it? Right. And that, and people I interview concept I do, it's all within that element. Um, I also have an Instagram, which is simply my name at Benjamin Ye. Maybe I'll do a YouTube channel. I'm not sure yet, but right now I'm just trying to still build my audience within podcasts. So I want to just focus on that, but I do one-on-one coaching and, and really just the podcast you know this is just a language i want out there i want people to start using because that's my contribution to the world is really just to get people to start thinking differently different perspectives and asking different questions well, this episode makes me realize why some people like Joe Rogan can, you know, rock the three hour plus episodes and it just makes a lot of sense. It's been great. I really appreciate it. And mostly for now, just want to say thank you so much. Likewise, Justin. It's been a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true, but there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.
JKL community, thank you so much for being here. Thank you to our guest, Ben. He is one of the most generous, kind leaders, and I'm sure this episode will resonate with many of you. If you ever have a request for a guest for the show or topics for our solo episodes, just let us know. It would also mean the world if you leave a review, but most importantly, pass the show on to someone that you think would benefit from it. Until the next episode, all the best, and remember, just keep learning.